Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sportsman. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bigly and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bigly and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Happy Monday, Valley sports fans. Welcome to a brand new week of riveting content delivered to you by in the way that only Valley sports can bring it to you, Vinny. Hi, Vinny. Good morning, Beck. How are you? Uh, hold on. Okay, I'm doing much better today. <laughs> uh, congratulations, by the way, to the 37 people in this country who nailed the Final Four. Thirty-seven people. Yeah. Doesn't I, that feel high? Yes. Well, I have mixed feelings on it. There was twenty million brackets. This is just on the ESPN data, right? Mm-hmm. Twenty million people submitted brackets to ESPN.com. Thirty-seven people got all four Final Four teams right, mm-hmm. and I'm blown away by that. So am I. <clears throat> Who in the world predicted zero, Florida zero. Atlantic? That, that, nobody did. Somebody just and filled alums. in names. It, it no, no, has I to bet be. it, it's alums. alums. Probably it's probably like you know Go me and my heart bracket. Me and my idiot friends who pick Arizona to win every single year, no matter what. <laughs> I'm sure there's Florida Atlantic people who picked them to go. Or to be fair, but even if you did that, how do you get the other three? True, San Diego State. Jackie, th- Jackie, Miami. The, Jackie the Jet had San Diego State. And UConn in the Final Four. Really? Is, yeah. What, was his, of the what was his reasoning? San Diego State was hot at the end of the year, and somebody was probably going to make a run this year since there wasn't any great teams. I don't know. Wow. Jackie the Jet wow. knows more about college yeah. basketball than apparently well, anybody picked, on the yeah, planet. I, yeah, he picked Purdue to win it all. Dad so. taking your job, Jared. <laughs> yeah, he picked Purdue to win it all, and they can lost. Can he book a guest? Yeah, can he book a, Can he run a board? <laughs> How's he with buttons? <laughs> yeah. Well, I did. Uh, <laughs> I was the official tracker of, of all of our me. brackets, and it was not pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jarrett Carlin in a basically a war of attrition <laughs> with 44 total points. He's the winner. Wow. Way to go, Jarrett. None uh, of us with any possible points. No, left. no that's possible what, that's points. Funny. That's Jarrett funny. 0 for 4 on the. Uh, on the final four, one for eight on the elite eight. Okay. And that's the winner. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, you had one of the last eight. Okay. I actually, with the worst bracket I ever filled out, I had three of the final eight. Hey! I had Gonzaga, Texas, and, and Creighton. And Bick, uh, you, you, we tied with 41 total points, despite the fact that you had zero out of the final eight. Yeah, yeah. My, my we, bracket's been dead for quite some time. It has been. And like I felt really bad about it early, but nobody has a good bracket this year. None. It's almost like 37, 37 people. 37 do. people. And I those people, just... I'm convinced, they picked, the, the people that picked... The schools that have some sort that are in locations that have some sort of meaning to them, like Boca Raton, Florida, mm-hmm. really, yeah. San Diego, That's what I'm saying. Miami. My grandma and grandpa used to uh, have be snowbirds there. 
This is maybe maybe they picked the greatest like retirement slash vacation, most beautiful weather, best places to go. Boca and, Raton and Yukon. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 there you go. Come on. Yeah, I picked two of the final four teams I had losing in the first round. <laughs> uh, I'm sure some industrious reporter at ESPN is is vetting this right now and trying to get to the bottom of these 37 people and see exactly what compelled them. Yeah, yeah. you did me. Yeah, it, 37 out of 20 million is nothing, and yet it seems high. Yes. Given how random this I final t- four totally is. Totally agree. 0.0012%. Gotcha. <laughs> Anybody else in your family you want to mention this morning, Jared, before you start the How's show? How's your nephew doing? How's his your nephew oh, doing? Oh, yeah. Good. Is okay. it his birthday okay. yet? <laughs> it's good. How's Karen doing? Everything good? Everybody's good. Excellent. Start the show, Ferret. <laughs> The Splash Splash and congratulations in the sports world. The Splash. splash. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Suns back in action tonight after snapping their three-game losing skid Saturday against Philadelphia. They are in Utah to face the Jazz. DeAndre Ayton, probable to return after a four-game absence for the Suns, who are looking for their 40th win of the year and looking to protect their spot in fourth place in the West. Kevin Durant remains out with an ankle injury. More on that in a sec. Jazz are 35-39, and 39, currently in 12th place on the outside looking in on the Western Conference play, and they've lost three straight. And their all-star Larry Markinen is questionable for this evening with a hand contusion. The game gets underway at 6. Pre-game coverage starts at 5.30 on the Arizona Sports app at 98.7. Uh, the other note on Kevin Durant, he's not playing tonight, but Shams Charania reported over the weekend that Durant is progressing for a likely return Wednesday at Footprint Center against the Minnesota Timberwolves, although the team has not made anything official. Knock on Fort Michael! Tonight's game will be the 10th Durant has missed since suffering an ankle injury prior to the Oklahoma City game on March 8th. Yeah, that's the last time we're mentioning his return, by the way. <laughs> we are not making a big deal of this. We're not throwing a party. It's hey, Vince. Kevin Durant wait till, day. Just wait till Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you're who right. are you announcing last, Vince? Right, right. <laughs> I was walking into the arena uh, on Saturday, and Nick King from Channel 3 and Channel 5 said, Hey, we're going we're gonna to come interview you again on Wednesday before the Durant game. And I said, Nope. <laughs> Great social studies listener, Nick King, by yes, the way. Yes. Doesn't miss it. Uh, yesterday in the NBA, the Mavericks lost again. They dropped their fourth straight to Charlotte, 110-104. The Hornets complete the home-and-home home sweep. Luka had 40 in the loss, but also had a technical foul, which is his 16th of the season, meaning he's suspended for tonight's game in Indiana. Not good timing by Luka. Elsewhere, Memphis got another win. They beat Atlanta. Grizzlies just three games behind Denver in the West with eight to play. LeBron James returned from injury. Came off the bench for only the second time in his career, but it wasn't enough. Lakers fell to Chicago, 118-108. to And Minnesota got by Golden State in San Francisco, 99-96. Carl Anthony Towns, a huge transition three-pointer with 11 seconds left to give the uh, Timberwolves the lead. That's uh, an interesting team all of a sudden in Minnesota. Yeah, I agree Carl with you Towns and Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards came back a lot earlier than people expected him to. A guy who takes pride in being on the court. What do you mm-hmm. What do you know? Yeah, right. Uh, the final four is set. San Diego State, Miami joining Florida Atlantic and UConn for next weekend's festivities in Houston. San Diego State got a late free throw from Darian Trammell after a controversial Thanks. foul call on Creighton's Ryan Nemhard in a 57-56 win. First ever trip to the final four for them. They are joined by Miami, who rallied 
past Texas, 88-81. Hurricanes uh, trailed by as many as 13 points in the second half. Uh, half of the women's Final Four is set. LSU beat Miami to uh, win the Greenville Regional, or one of the spots, I should say. Iowa got a triple-double from Caitlin Clark to move past Louisville. Other two spots will be claimed tonight. Maryland against South Carolina. Ohio State taking on Virginia Tech. Coyotes got a point, but it came in a 4-3 shootout loss to Colorado. Clayton Keller tied it up with his 36th goal of the year late in the third. Uh, then the shootout goes to a seventh round before Valeri Nishuskin won it for Colorado, beating Connor Ingram. Yotes at it again tonight. They host Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers at 7. You can hear it starting with pregame coverage on the Arizona Sports app and ESPN 620 at 6.30. Hey, what do you know? The Cardinals signed another linebacker over the weekend. Chris Barnes, the former Green Bay Packer, gets a one-year deal. Uh, the NFL owners' meetings are in town here in Phoenix at the Biltmore on the agenda. Thursday night football flex plan possibilities. A new contract for Commissioner Roger Goodell. I wonder if he's going to take a pay cut. Nah, no, that's and, not happening. And the Washington Commanders' ownership situation. There's also some rule changes. And who knows? Owners getting together. Maybe, uh, maybe some trades will be made. Yeah, and... The reason why that's applicable is that only happens to the to the elite players, the big name players, but that's that's where DeAndre Hopkins falls. So you wonder if there's going to be some movement this week because of that. We wonder. Um, this this is one of those situations to me, Vic, that's starting to feel like it's going to be a long one. I think rightfully so. Okay. Monty yeah. Austin Fort will dig his heels in and ask for what he wants to get yeah. and won't settle for anything else. And if that carries that's, past the draft, so be that's it. That's what you have to do. I yep. completely agree with you, It's Vinny. his first big move. It yeah, is. It is. It's his first show of nerve. Yep. Uh, baseball, according to reports, Ryan Nelson has nailed down the fifth and final rotation spot for the D-backs heading into 2023. He beat out right-hander Dre Jamison, who will start the year in the bullpen. The D-backs also optioned Pavin Smith and Emmanuel Rivera to AAA Reno among their roster moves yesterday. They also played to a 4-4 tie in Cactus League play against the Brewers. Merrill Kelly went four and two-thirds innings, allowed four hits and two runs, struck out five. So Cactus League is over. Yeah, it is. D-backs now shift over to Chase Field for two exhibition games against Cleveland tonight and tomorrow afternoon. Tonight's game gets underway at 640. Uh, tomorrow will be a 1240 first pitch, and then it's on to L.A. for the season open. It's here. It is here. Um, lots of feelings, lots of thoughts. I'm a little surprised about the Dre Jameson move because he is such a hard-throwing righty, yet I, I guess it makes sense in the short term because at least you're finding a spot for him, but this feels a lot like Archie Bradley to me. But either way, either way, the baseball, baseball season just around the corner. Yeah. There's some momentum behind the sport. Let's hope the Diamondbacks are part of it. With that many arms and that many candidates for the fifth spot, yeah. those guys are all on short leashes. Yes. So right now it's it's Ryan Nelson. Right. Pressure's on for yeah. him to keep that spot. Right. You're yeah. right. There could be a, there could be a lot of movement with that. Yes. There you go. There's your splash for Monday, March 27th coming up. Suns got back in the win column and a couple players coming back. Finally, we'll get into the latest with the Suns next on this Monday morning here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Pickley, Vince Morata, Pickley and Morata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I mean, our bench, you know, you look at the numbers, I mean, Book scores 29 in, in 31 minutes. You know, that's huge um, off a of back-to-back. And, you know, Biz, his, his defense tonight and the production we got from him, if you'd ask me before the game started, you know, is Biz going to score 17 points? I would have been like, 
I hope so, but that that's probably not normal for, you know, our team. That was Monty Williams after the game on Saturday night, talking about the bench, talking about Devin Booker, talking about Bismack Biombo. The most important thing is the Suns got a win, a 20-point win over the Philadelphia 76ers. And, you know, ingredients, appearance, style points aside, Bick, mm-hmm. yeah. they did what they needed to do. They yeah. won a basketball game, whether it was by a point or 20 points. That's all that needed to happen. And in my opinion... The Philadelphia 76ers looked like they wanted to be elsewhere on Saturday. A Outside of Tyrese Maxey, who a played bit. a fantastic game. They they looked like the more tired team coming off a game in Northern California. I agree. Because they both were. But you throw that aside. Need yeah. a win, got to win. They needed it badly. And the, the thing that I liked about Saturday's game was there was a real, real desperation to the way the Suns played. You know, you were there. And and to me, I, I think that that was appropriate. You know, sometimes basketball teams, it, it takes a lot to get Get them to that point where where they're just playing with their hair on fire from start to finish, and 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 nothing's going to stop them. Um, basketball teams don't want to be like that and fail because it, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. It's hard to get your swagger back if you try too hard and you fail. Uh, I, I give the Suns credit for for realizing the moment they were in on Saturday because coming out of Friday night they were not in a good place. No, I later on we'll talk about that Friday night game. I mm-hmm. think it was the low point in the season mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So for them to come back 24 hours later, and you get bolstered by the fact, okay, tonight DeAndre Ayton's probably going to be back. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. They they navigated, and but uh, you know with with his absence through his absence, and then Kevin Durant on Wednesday. Maybe, just maybe, we'll start to see what this team is going to look like the rest of the way. But you knocked on wood, kind of tongue in cheek, when we were talking about it in the splash. That's I. That's how I'm proceeding. Yeah. Oh, well, you listen. <laughs> yes. No. There's. There's no doubt about it. There's going to be a level of if Kevin Durant can just kind of string some games together. I'm sure the fear will get out of my head. Yeah. But but at being there for that pregame warm up, it's still. In the, I, I can't shake it. I really can't. But but I do think that this win on Saturday was very big in a lot of different reasons. It kind of it has given them a little bit of cushion that they need to get through another game. Maybe two, but probably just one without KD. And then once Kevin Durant gets back, now we can all hit reset. The records will not matter. And and I think everything is going to be trending in a good direction. Now, the question really to me becomes, was there anything that we saw on Saturday um, in that victory? And is there anything that has been learned during the Kevin Durant absence that's going to help this team once he gets back. For instance, T.J. Warren had himself a good game Saturday. Yes, he's making he, a contribution. And, and is he getting into his bag finally? Is he going to be a part a, 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 an offensive cog in the bench unit? Yeah. Well, Monty had said over the weekend that he didn't feel like he had given T.J. Warren a fair shot, which it is what it is. And a lot of people, when that bench was struggling, were wondering, why is T.J. Warren not getting a shot? And then he would come in and not really influence anything while he was on the court. Last couple of games, he has made a dent. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at his numbers on Saturday night, um, he was plus 25. Mm-hmm. He had the best plus minus of anybody. Eight rebounds, yeah. 16 points. So that could be something. 
And then obviously Saturday, the, the, the big story was just what Bismack, Bismack Biombo was able to do <laughs> in the paint. I mean, it really, that's, that's kind of where the game and the energy all flowed for my money. What would you have said to me if I texted you before the game and said, I have a feeling, Bick, that Bismack Biombo is going to have as many baskets tonight as Joel Embiid. I would, I would you, laugh at you. You would yes, have asked me to submit a sample. Yeah, no, listen, and it's, it's funny because when we, when we talked about this last week, the weekend kind of unfolded like I thought. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't predict any of this, and I'm not taking credit for any of this, but I kind of saw the team unable to win in Sacramento. They played better than I thought they were going to Friday night, but then they fell apart. And, and then I thought they were going to be in a state of desperation against a team that I think they don't match up badly against. And I, I agree. I don't think the 76ers were fully there, but because the difference in desperation, I think, was pretty profound. Mm-hmm. But, but they got, but they got a victory that, that has calmed everything back down, which yeah. is good. The other thing that they were able to accomplish Saturday was they got through a 48 minute game without being affected by officiating, which was certainly a factor on Friday, and we'll get into that in a little later on. But here was Monty Williams after Saturday's win over Philly. It was huge for sure because, I mean, nobody does it better than Joe. I mean, he can he's big, he's mobile, he can draw contact and finish, and you have to just move on to the next play. You know, we, we didn't get a ton of opportunities at the line tonight, but we were still in attack mode. That's why Biz had a lot of, you know, points tonight in the paint, but... Our guys understand, you know, you're going to run up against hard over the course of a season and in game. And you got to be able to be competitive, be emotional, but get it back to com- competitive where you can make good decisions and play good instinctive basketball and not get too swayed with whatever's happening in the game that you don't like. And I think that's something that we all players and coaches have to be better at. Is Monty Williams the only guy that calls him beat Joe? Only guy I've heard. There's another cut where he calls him Big Joe twice. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that wow. the other night, too. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so it, it wasn't really a factor with the way that game unfolded. And, you, you know, it was a close game for three quarters. The Suns, to their credit, actually pulled away in the fourth quarter and, and made it uh, a more cuff, comfortable advantage. But it was kind of nice, you know. Looking at a Suns game, watching a game, win or lose, and not having to have discussions about the officiating after a game. Well, there never there are never discussions about officiating after the Suns win. I never hear anything about it after they win. It's amazing <laughs> how that works. Never, damn, they gave us I too never, many free throws I tonight. I never hear about the free throw discrepancy when they win. It's crazy how that works. <laughs> oh, because if the refs don't screw them, they win. <laughs> That's They'd right. win every game if it wasn't it. for the refs. You nailed it, Jarrett. You nailed it. That's exactly right so um yeah so so i hope now my hope is that the 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 darkest times are over for this basketball team yeah i mean we got a taste of it because after that loss on friday night they fell out of fourth they were in fifth and then Uh they jumped back into fourth their Uh half game up Uh uh-huh um this this last couple weeks of the season is going to be wild in the western conference yeah and listen I'm, i'm all here for what's happening if dallas is flaming out before our very eyes yeah, sign me up for that. Certainly looks like oh, it. Yeah, sign me up for that, right? Oh, no, no, please, no, yeah, not no, Dallas. please stop. Oh, Are you okay? How about Luca getting a technical 
and missing another game that they need to win. Mm-hmm. Not that they win when Luka and Kyrie play yeah. together. The Mavericks have as many wins with Luka on Kyrie and Kyrie on the court together yeah. as the Suns have with Kevin Durant on right. the court. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, did you see the stat of the week in uh, in the NBA, Vinny? I'm sure you did. That now in Brooklyn, the trio of Spencer, the trio of Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikael Bridges, and Cam. Johnson Johnson have now played more minutes for Brooklyn than Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden did. Yes. <laughs> it's like 366. That was before yesterday, too, so yep. like 366 yep. to 365. Yep. How nice for the Nets to finally have their super team in place. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Right, for them to have finally That's, stumbled uh, into their super team. Yeah. I don't think Ben Simmons has not played a game, right, since oh, yeah. that trade? Yeah, he hasn't played since mid-February, I think, with a, what, nerve impingement, something like that? Yeah, some nerve. The other stat of the weekend uh, was Spencer Dinwiddie going 0 for 11 yesterday. (laughs) And they lost to Orlando. But Mikel Bridges, Mikel had a good game, I think. Yeah, he had forty-four. shooting sixty percent from the floor. Not bad. That idiot morning talk show host who said if if, uh, Mikel Bridges is incapable of scoring more than fifteen points a game consistently. (laughs) Who was that guy? Whatever happened to that guy? Hmm. (laughs) Well, works for the Suns now. Doing (laughs) text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, the NFL meetings are in town. Does that mean we could see some movement on DeAndre Hopkins? We'll get into that more next. It's Bickley Murata Mornings here on this Monday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, talking to other teams around the league, they do expect something to shake out with a Hopkins trade with Arizona in the near future, but that Arizona would have to come off their asking price. I've talked to teams who say that Arizona has wanted a second-round pick and more, almost like a Christian McCaffrey package that you saw during the season last year, second, third-round pick, something big. So teams aren't willing to do that as of yet. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN late last week on uh, what the Cardinals were asking for for DeAndre Hopkins in a possible trade, mm. second rounder. I think that's a pretty good place to start if you're yeah. not the Austin Fort, and probably a pretty good place not to wiggle from just yet. Uh, you know, dig your heels in. Well, listen, that, that's what they they've said this very early on. It was identified as a premium second round pick and a player, and and I I give Monty Austin Fort props for sticking to that because um, if if as you can tell, word is circulating back to football analysts that oh, man, the Cardinals really—they're really asking for a lot. They're really not just going to give them away. Mm-hmm. Wow! Oh, we're surprised. Wow! <laughs> I thought we had them over can the you, barrel. Do me a favor. Can you can you tweet something out about how unfair they're being? <laughs> can we put some pressure on them? Come on! Don't they know they're the Cardinals? Well, the Cardinals offseason program uh, begins April 11th. That's like two weeks away, believe it or not. Wow. Leading up to the draft uh, with everybody in town for the NFL owners' meetings at the Biltmore, there were some quotes uh, from Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach, about DeAndre Hopkins. Would he be on the field when the offseason activities begin? Quote, I'm not sure we're evaluating everyone. He's a valuable asset to us. And then followed up by saying, I'm operating that he's a cardinal right now. He told uh, Steve Weiss from NFL Network, did Jonathan Gannon, I'm looking forward to getting in the meeting room and on the field with him and seeing where it can go. I just know he's an elite player. Being a defensive guy, I had to go up against him a couple times. The challenges he presents, I'm excited to get to work with him. 
Hmm. Yeah, that 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 sounds like a head coach who's running cover for a GM who's telling him, listen, this might be a while. We, we've got to at least act like we're not just getting rid of this guy. I, again, I, I am just baffled at, at the the fluctuation of when draft picks are worth mu- with, <laughs> what they're worth and when they're worth the most. Isn't it? It's unbelievable. It, it makes no sense to it, me either. It's zero sense. Yeah. Zero sense. And so there's this belief that, no, now that we're getting near the draft, no, you can't touch it. A fifth-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. That's our best offer. Take it or leave it. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers basically got a seventh-round pick for Zane Gonzalez, who was going to be yes, cut. Yes, yes. And, and then you look at other uh, play, Christian McCaffrey, for other guys like DeAndre Hopkins, elite players, you don't give them away. And so I, I don't know why there's this expectation among other GMs that the Cardinals should just, yeah, nope, fourth-round pick. That's all you're getting from us. So is it a combination of things, one, that D-Hop sort of played so little last season that his sort yeah. of, uh, the opinion of him as an elite receiver is sort of but is in it, the past I, now? I think they're using that as, well, your guy, you know, your guy, wasn't that available? How, how elite is he? He yeah, can't stay on the field. How elite is he? Yeah. And, and then the other thing is, I, I'm curious to see if D-Hop or D-Hop's new agent, right? He has a new agent? Yes. If something comes out in the next two weeks before the draft that he wants to be traded, that he not demanding but is asking for a trade, because so as of now it's the just Cardinals a heads up that I might make this a problem for you. Just something that yeah. sort of like gets the ball rolling yeah. faster, right? Just kind of reminds everyone in Arizona that this isn't going to be pleasant if you go down this road, right? Uh-huh. And yeah. and that would because right now the leverage is sort of like in a weird balance between teams that want him and the Cardinals that want to trade him because nobody knows how desperate the situation is. And once again, I I think the Cardinals have plenty of leverage because there's a lack of expectations on what this team is going to be capable of on the field next year. Yeah, we were joined by Max Starks uh, late last week here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, and uh, he shared what he expects to see with the Hopkins situation. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, You know, that's pretty much a matter of when, whether than if, but... Um, you know, that's also going to yield something, I think, as well, to help go get some more young pieces. And the more pieces this Cardinal squad can get, because there's a lot of places where they need to fill holes, and there's quality guys' depth, um, I think, later in this draft at certain positions that can really help both of them and kind of fast-track that. Yeah, I would. one thing I wouldn't expect the Cardinals to do in the draft is uh, take any linebackers, because they are collecting no. them in free agency. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, they are. Are you as puzzled by this as I am? Uh, yes, that I am. That story came out about Chris Barnes from uh, from Green Bay, who had a nice little run, three-year run as an undrafted free agent uh, with the Packers and was injured last year, but he gets a one-year deal. They've signed now three linebackers from the outside and um, brought back a couple of their own. And, and it was the one position group that they were kind of already good at. Yes. Right. This is, I wonder if this, I wonder if this portends a a, a move to safety or defensive back full time for Isaiah Simmons. It it very well could. So I've heard people also say, just put him on the edge. Well, you can do that in a 3-4. You can't really do that as effectively in a, in a 4-3. And a lot of people argue that Isaiah Simmons doesn't have many pass rushing moves. But he's also not that great of a pass. In pass coverage, no. So could you put him at safety? <laughs> I don't know. I I'm, I'm not sure. I thought with 
the new uh, the new coaching staff, mm-hmm. there would be a clarity coming to Isaiah Simmons' role. And uh, granted, mm-hmm. it's early, but I'm trying to connect dots here, and and they're not quite no, connecting. You no, know, you're right. They're not. But but Jared might hit on something. I mean, could you imagine a, a, a safety tandem of Buda Baker and Isaiah Simmons? What do you do with Jalen Thompson? Well, that's that's no, a you good could question. play. I mean, you could play three. I guess. You could, yeah, it's it's a brand new defensive scheme that Jonathan Gannon has thought of. It's called a one six one three <laughs> one defensive. Linemen, six linebackers, one cornerback, and three safeties. <laughs> it's going to take the NFL by storm. Oof. Um, so, well, they've got the personnel well, to do it. Yeah, and and I hope this is this is paramount that they get Isaiah Simmons launched for good right now. Immediately, we, talk, we talked about last week. They haven't picked up his option yet. Which is kind of curious, mm-hmm. and and you're hoping it doesn't put them in that weird position like they've encountered a few times where he does have a breakout season, and then all of a sudden you didn't pick up the option, and he's a free agent, and you have to pay more money if you you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, picking up that option right now, I mean, if today was the deadline for Monty Asenfort to make that decision and not sometime in May, what would you do? I, I don't think that's a no-brainer decision. Isaiah Simmons flashes. There's no doubt and about talks. it. Yes. Yes. But if you go back to just last year, there was clouds of mystery about his availability early in the season, and then we find out in hard knocks that he was he was benched. He was benched again. Yes. Yep. I know. And, and in right. real time, they were saying, "Oh, it's just a you know schematic thing. It's a situational thing." He got benched, and he freely admitted it on hard knocks. He did. The talks thing reminds me so much of DeAndre Ayton, in that like all the time, uh, Isaiah Simmons is like, "Oh yeah, man, I'm I'm, I'm ready to break out right now. Yeah. I'm ready to have a huge game. I've learned yes. so much. This is I'm about to take the next step. Yeah, I'm ready to be yeah. dominant. Yeah, so it's there. There are some similarities in that. Yeah. Um. So and and again, it, it's as Vinny said, it, there's a lot of flashing the flashing is phenomenal yeah but you've got to you got to harness that and you've got to be dependable so i'm curious jonathan gannon as a defensive guy yeah that's that's kind of monty austin ford handling deandre hopkins that's his first big move jonathan gannon finding getting mm-hmm. to the bottom of who isaiah simmons is and what is his future and is it here that's probably his first big move absolutely last shot to participate in the madness text bucks to 620 and choose from the last four teams for your chance to win 250 bucks that's bucks to 620 it's the arizona sports bracket bucks presented by santan ford and schwartz laser eye center coming up a sun's legend and a current sun star aren't quite getting along right now we'll give you the latest on that situation next it's bickley Murata mornings here on arizona sports the local sports leader dan bickley vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Kevin Durant. He's very sensitive, a great player. He's part of that generation who think he can't be criticized. He's never looked in the mirror and says, man, was that a fair criticism? We're in agreement. Today's players are a little more sensitive to criticism than your That generation. would be an understatement. Charles Barkley recently on an interview talking about uh, Kevin Durant being sensitive and Kevin Durant responded to it on Twitter about 10 hours ago, quote tweeted, the, quote, tweeted the video and yeah. said, this ain't getting tiring, Chuck. I'll never respect the words that come out of your mouth, fam. Just deal with it. Mm. What to make of all of this? Mm. Uh, what to make of all of it? Uh, a couple things I, I would make of it. Number one, these are both Phoenix Suns now, so they yeah. really probably should put this 
um, little thing to bet, I would think, right? You would think. Part you, of the same team? I think the fan base would like that to happen. Uh, yeah, and, and then I think also it's Kevin Durant on some level has actually kind of proven Charles Barkley's point a little bit. Yeah, by, right? kind by, of like, by responding to it? Yeah. 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 Um, and look. We've had discussions about Kevin Durant on Twitter before he ever got to Phoenix, before mm-hmm. Kevin Durant to Phoenix was even a thought in our minds. Yep. You can't change those thoughts now because he's a member of the Phoenix Suns. Mm, I think it's no. pre- I think it's pretty well proven that yeah. he's not like <clears throat> and he's not alone in this. Mm-hmm. He does respond to a lot of things. He responds to individuals. He responds to uh media criticism. Mm-hmm. That's just how he's wired. I mean, yeah. look at his 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 Twitter description. I'm me. I do me, and I chill. Well, okay. So, he, so here's so what I think is applicable about this is for Charles. Charles Barkley didn't just decide to go off on Kevin Durant. Charles Barkley did a sit down with sixty minutes. Okay, so um, so a lot of stuff has come out of this interview from Charles Barkley that's kind of quasi newsworthy, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, to me, I, I look at it like this. All right. So if if Kevin Durant is really truly that sensitive, I'm curious how Kevin Durant has internalized everything from that injury on the home opener until now, okay? Because he knows, he he, he was asked, do you know what a championship would mean to the city of, of Phoenix? Yes. yes, I do. Believe me, yes, I do. Okay, and so he, he saw the excitement. He saw all the, the stands who showed up for his press conference who just wanted to cheer his every step. And so for this to go down the way it went down, I, I'm curious how he's internalized all this and what, what he's feeling about what's gone down here in the last three weeks. Yeah, we haven't heard no, a I word, mean, and, and we won't until he comes back. But, um, yeah, I, I I think that's a fair question. See. But there was also a response to Kevin Durant you know, tweeting at, at Charles Barkley, mm-hmm. that response. Just from a, a, a Twitter user that said, I've never seen you get upset about being criticized in the context of basketball, but some dude who is constantly calling you sensitive and miserable, that ain't basketball, that's personal and disrespectful. Kevin Durant also quote tweeted that and said, this is where I'm at with it. Okay. Is Charles Barkley out of line by continuing to call Kevin Durant sensitive? Well, I no listen, I I, I would say no because he, he said the same words. He repeated that miserable claim right on this radio show in an interview with he us. Did. And, and and because it's in the context of this guy was in Oklahoma City, then he went to Golden State, and then he went to Brooklyn, and along the way he has not been able to find happiness. Now, uh, is it is it a stretch to call him miserable? Maybe. I I, I don't. It, to me, I don't. I don't think this is a, a, a matter of Charles Barkley getting personal with it because I do think that um, a lot of this stuff is is evidentiary. It's backed up. So I don't know. It's, it's it's weird. It's 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 not it's not the feud I expected this morning. Right. I would I would take it personally though if we're getting this same criticism from the same person time and time again. It seems like they have no personal relationship. Mm-hmm. If I were Kevin Durant, I would wonder why do you feel the need to talk about me negatively? You know, time and time again. Like, okay, you said your piece. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. I, well, I think it's because because Charles Barkley has been a go to. He's one of the he's one of the loudest voices on the generational gap and the generational differences in the NBA. Oh and, yeah. And when he speaks of the current generation, as a lot of people do, I, I think we all kind of feel some of the same things about the current generation of players. As Vinny pointed out, twenty last time LeBron James and Kevin Durant have played a game against each other, 2018. Christmas Day. Christmas Day, twenty eighteen. They played. Tw- the teams have met twelve times since. Neither one of them 
they've not actually suited up simultaneously. And it's like, okay, what is that all about? Then you you talk about just load management and all of this, and it, it's you know, there's there's an element to this generation that that a lot of people find offensive. Does Barkley single out anyone else on the level he does Kevin Durant? I I was just trying to think about that, Sarah, and I think I, I, I was Kyrie definitely. Yeah, but I, I, he it, doesn't single out LeBron. Um, I don't think a ton. No, but he doesn't really. Kevin know. Durant's also not the first superstar player to take issue with the treatment that they get from the NBA on TNT. Crew. Yes, Shaq is very and, outspoken yep. on this this current wave of, of stars. Yep. Charles Barkley is very outspoken on this current wave of stars, and they are quite critical. Mm-hmm. He's not alone in, in having those feelings well, toward Draymond him. Green. Had a whole beef with that whole crew for a while. That's now he true. works for him. And now, yeah, and now and isn't that funny? But can't beat him. Join. Him. I mean, Barkley also was pretty harsh on the Warriors for years, mm-hmm. even when they were winning championships. Just saying that their style of play is not how you win consistently. Yeah, until Charles, he just couldn't say it anymore. Charles Barkley was on our show last August, and that's when he made uh, those comments. Uh, Jared's dug up those, but this is when. Uh, Charles Barkley called Kevin Durant Mr. Miserable. He just seems like a miserable person, man. I call him Mr. Miserable. He's never going to be happy. <laughs> it's true. Every, I mean, everybody's giving him everything on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was a man in, in, in Oklahoma City. They loved him. He owned the entire state. And then he bolts on them and goes to the Warriors. He wins back-to-back championships, and he's still not happy. He goes to Brooklyn. They give him everything he wants, and he's still miserable. That's why I call him Mr. Miserable. <laughs> I yeah. mean, and and again, so I, I, I is that crossing a line? It's Charles Barkley. I mean, I, I don't know how you define these terms when you're talking about Charles True. Barkley. It's, it's coming from a different source, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Go, but you know, Charles' point in that soundbite from last August. I think kept Durant leaving Oklahoma City when he did. Obviously, that is when. The criticism floodgates opened up on Kevin Durant because of how he did it and where he went. He went to Golden State and he won back-to-back titles. Mm -hmm. They were very close in Oklahoma City. But I think deep down, Kevin Durant probably knew that's about as close as as we're going to get to a title in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, with me playing with Russell Westbrook. And maybe Kevin Durant was the first guy who saw the flaws in Russell Westbrook's game in terms of being a, a, a championship contributor. Maybe he was ahead of the curve. I don't know. I don't know about that. They also chose Kendrick Perkins over James Harden, right, to to keep on that team. So maybe he also saw that, like, they weren't going to be good enough going forward. But also, isn't there something to Kevin Durant just saying, you know what? Maybe I am a little too sensitive. I need to work on that, not letting this bother me, not getting into Twitter fights with people in the middle of the seasons. Like, isn't there a little self-awareness that should be involved in not just getting mad at any criticism? Yeah, well, yeah, and, and but that's not to say he doesn't have that. It just he does. He's very combative on Twitter, and he's unapologetic about that. Yeah, yeah. It's it, see to me, I, I think that. It, it, a lot of this is going to change once he gets back being active, and I think the Charles Barkley thing obviously is a, sh- a sore spot with him. 
this was not a direct attack at Kevin Durant. This was something that came out of a free-flowing interview with uh-huh. Charles Barkley that was all over the place from his from his estrangement with Michael Jordan and how he's not going to be the one to pick up the phone and call Michael, although I'm here if you want to reconcile to just who he is as a broadcaster and what his role is. Charles Barkley, the issue that players have is there's a belief among some players that, yo, you played the game. You're not supposed to talk like that about us. You know how hard this is. You know what this life's all about. Why are you joining, um, you know, the peanut gallery, if you will. But but also just think of of how much different it is for today's star players. Can you imagine how Charles Barkley would have responded if he was playing and social media was around? Mm. And you didn't have a handful of critics. You had several million critics. That will affect your sensitivity to things a lot. Yeah. And maybe it's... It's apples and oranges, but maybe it's unfair to just, you know, try to have this this uniform policy of sensitivity when Charles Barkley didn't have to deal with the same things that Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic, anybody who plays now has has to deal with. Yeah, and so it's going to be really interesting now because when Kevin Durant comes back, uh, the the entire Western Conference is going to be full on sprint mode. There's Mm -hmm. there's going to be no more there's no more stuff. There's no more load management. This is going to be it's going to be on. And and watching this narrative unfold with these personalities under stress, it's going to be fascinating. Yep. Uh, and did the uh, Phoenix Suns rise from their lowest point of the season over the weekend? We'll get into that. More Suns talk next on this Monday edition of Bickley Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.